Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome, I'm your host, Tony D'Urso. I interview some of the most successful people in the world whom I call elite entrepreneurs. They share their journey and provide wisdom, guidance, and advice you can use to take things up another level. Now, I do this for you because I know it's a challenge to read everyone's book, take everyone's classes, listen to everyone's podcast, to get all the help you need for your career or to grow your business. There's great information here in this interview that you will be able to use immediately in your life, career, and business. And if you know someone whom you believe would be helped by this, Please share. Thank you kindly. Today, we're going to talk about leadership and you with Werner Berger. Let's see what we can learn today. Werner Berger is a Guinness World Records holder as the oldest person in the world to have climbed the seven summits and at 83 years old and still on zero meds, takes people on high altitude hikes to help resurrect their birthright of unlimited personal power and the experience to living completely in the present. Here we go. Hi, Werner. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. So great to have you on with us today. Thank you, Tony. It's absolutely a pleasure to be here. The honor is all mine, Werner. You've done so much. You've climbed the seven summits of of the world on every continent. And somewhere along that line... It's made you a better leader, and I am like really interested in finding out more about you and leadership. But let's go back in time just a little bit and perhaps tell us your story and how everything started for you, Werner. Okay, I'm happy to do that. In fact, I still chuckle when I say to you that I had to climb mountains to figure it all out from a really savvy farm kid that literally could fix anything with dreams of actually becoming uh, an Olympic pole vaulter. And now at 83, I'm only starting to really live out loud. And some of me says, I've seen it all. And some of me says, it's just starting. When I look back, um, I really had a very intense work ethic, but almost to a fault because Although it propelled me to grow a small business 700% in seven years, it got in the way of family life, it got in the way of relationships, and in fact, it almost took me to a point of sanity or lack of sanity, should I say. At um, 43, I truly felt that I was burnt out and that the spark of life actually was starting to leave. So what did I do? I retired. However, four years later, I had had it with retirement. And so I went back to the drawing board and I started looking at what are my passions? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my experiences? And with that clarity, actually, I ended up joining a corporation, actually a leadership consulting firm, and really ended up loving my work and loving my clients and stayed with them or stayed associated with them running my own business for for 19 years. However, it didn't take long in the consulting game to just still have something nagging at me. Something was missing. And in time, it hit me really quite with a vengeance. And what do I do when things really go wrong? I go to extremes. I started climbing mountains. (laughs) And what I found in scaling the highest mountain on each of the seven continents, including Mount Everest, was completely unexpected. In fact, as I was soaring into the tens of thousands of feet of thin air um, on each climb with nothing but me and my backpack and the mountains, I finally got it. It finally made sense. True leadership cannot be taught. And when I think back of my own personal corporate career before becoming a consultant, 
I really looked upon myself as a really poor leader. But the other thing I did, and it was totally instinctive, is I thought that my employees were not doing what they needed to do. And my, my sense was they are to blame for us not growing even faster or even more profitably. But then I also realized that the capacity for leadership has to be developed. And this applies to whether you're leading within a corporation or whether you're leading within a family as a parent or even leading yourself. That capability has to be developed. So what I found is that the most effective leaders, as I looked through this field, really had already transitioned through their inner journey. They knew what they stood for, and they knew when to stand back. And they also embraced two powers, and that's the power of purpose, knowing where they were going. But the other one was the power of empathy. And they did this literally with everything that they did. And none of that, I felt, could be taught. Werner, I'm enjoying this very much. And I want to thank you. I've seen some of your videos of you climbing Mount Everest and amazing views. I actually feel like I did the work and I want to thank you because I don't feel the need to climb those mountains. (laughs) Not everyone does. That's just my Italian. No, it absolutely is quite a feat that you've you've done that in in the seven continents. Again, I know we've said this earlier, but he's climbed the seven tallest mountains in the world. It still just blows me away. Now, you went from a, a beautiful job in the corporate world, consulting, and I'm sure you were making good money, and you went into climbing. You found your purpose by starting to climb because you've been doing this for, for many, many years. You, you take people on, on treks to the mountains. Is that where that all developed from? Yeah. Uh, actually, I was 55 when I first climbed, and what I really got there was a really a metamorphosis into what leadership is all about. And I immediately thought, this is what I need to expose my clients and anybody that wants to climb with me. Because ultimately, we're all born with the capacity to be leaders. But the question is, what got in our way? So now this metamorphosis or this transition can be reinstigated. And it takes certain things to do that. And for me, it was finding myself on the mountains. Other people find themselves in other ways. And of course, now my quest is to support other individuals to experience this. I've got to ask you right now, you're up on the mountain and this is where you found yourself. I've seen some of your interviews where because you're climbing, you're in this constant state of now, now, in the, in the present moment. You're now, now, you're, you're there. You're not thinking about other things that are going on because you're so focused on everything. But it's intense because you're doing it for, for days, for a very, very long period of time. And in one of your interviews that, that fascinated me is you really found some jewels, some gems out of that. Yeah, you bet. And you really hit the nail on the head when you talked about being in the moment, not thinking about yesterday, not thinking about tomorrow, all you're thinking about is what are you confronted with or what are you doing right now? And when you hit a roadblock, you don't yell and scream and shout at either the weather or the crevasse or something that doesn't work. The only thing you do is you ask yourself is, what do I do next? And that's so different to what we do in, let's say, a corporate leader gets angry at somebody that's not performing or didn't do what was expected, as opposed to just simply saying, what happened here? What next? What do I need to do next to get him back on track? We're talking about leadership and you with Werner Berger, and you can find him at EverestBaseCampWithWerner.com. And I will spell that. Everest, we know that. E-V-E-R-E-S-T. B-A-S-E-C-A-M-P-W-I-T-H-W-E-R-N-E-R.com. 
everestbasecampwithwerner.com. Did I get that right? Yeah, you got that right. And if they go straight to the leadership tab, they'll see what we're talking about. Very good. All right. Well, let's kind of get into your vision path. I know we're talking about climbing mountains. We're talking about being a leadership. We have a large audience of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small business owners, as well as people on a career path. We're going back and forth. It seems like such a juxtaposition here, one thing versus another that kind of doesn't even seem to match. It seems so incongruent in a way. But stick with us, everyone, and learn some leadership tips and kind of go back into your corporate training here a little bit and throw in any mountaineering as you will, Werner. Mm -hmm. You were a very successful leadership consultant for years. And as you mentioned at the very beginning in this intro, when I said, tell us about yourself, you said something like leadership training does not work. And I'm like, what? Huh? Okay. We're calling you on the carpet. Explain yourself, please. (laughs) Most training is cognitive. It's what do you need to say? What are the communication skills? How, what, what are the, the steps in building team? How do you need to adapt your way of interacting with the person that you're actually dealing with? Because each of us, of course, uh, some people are slow, some are fast, some are fact-oriented, some are more people-oriented. And you can teach the, those mechanics but you cannot teach the intrinsic part that locks the cognitive with the intrinsic and makes it real. When the head and the heart come together, the person comes across congruently. And that's absolutely the key to leadership, is to be congruent. That's one of the keys. There are lots of others. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about leadership and you with Werner Berger. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. As you may know, I've been all over the world and I've enjoyed fine dining and top restaurants. Whether I'm enjoying a quality filet or one of the best chocolate soufflés in the world, which was my passion or hobby at the time, I've always enjoyed a good wine or port with my meal or dessert. Now we bring this all to you with Wine.com. I joined their stewardship program for $49 a year, and it gives unlimited free shipping to any address. And even if you don't drink when you have family or you entertain, it's always good to have something handy, right? Well, when I joined and landed on their selection page, I must tell you, I didn't go any further. Why? Well, right there was Grigich Chardonnay. I mean, come on, that's Grigich there. So I couldn't help but get some ASAP. Next time I order, I will peruse more of their pages. What a selection they have. Check this out. It's the world's largest wine store. You will not find a bigger or broader selection of wine anywhere. And you get the world of wine delivered right to your door. Wine.com handles your wine with great care before you even place your order by doing their own warehousing and fulfillment. I like that. An adult signature is required, so delivery options are up to you on your schedule, and you can even choose to pick it up at a local site, such as FedEx. They'll tell you what's available when you order, or deliver to your home. Either way, shipping is on your schedule. And this is the cool part. Free shipping year-round with stewardship membership for only $49. No minimum purchase, order one bottle or order a hundred bottles. Yeah, why not order a hundred and have a big party? Shipping is free every time. Use your membership to send gifts throughout the year to family and friends. And again, shipping is free every time. That is so great. We introduced stewardship to eliminate the high costs associated with shipping given wine is naturally heavy and can be expensive to ship. I've shipped wine and champagne before all over the country. It's costly, and I'm impressed that it's all free with your stewardship. Sound good? Let's do this. Go to wine.com slash Tony D-U-R-S-O and get $50 off your first order. Terms apply. I'll spell that. W-I-N-E dot com slash T-O-N-Y D-U-R-S-O. 
All right, guys, check it out and tell me how you like it. Wine.com slash Tony D-U-R-S-O. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Leadership and You with Werner Berger. Werner has been interviewed and featured on the Today Show by Matt Lauer, CBC, CTV, plus a host of other TV shows, radio, including the Tony D'Urso Show, magazines, including Inc., and daily papers in the U.S. and in Canada. All right, and now back to the chat with Werner. I'm trying to get this in my head. I'm translating it because I'm really zoning into this. We're talking the difference between being logical and being emotional. Am I on the right track so far? And it's more than just emotional. It, it really is being in charge of your emotions without working at being in charge of them. Because you're grounded. You are present. You know what your, um, your attitude or your orientation toward your client is or your worker is. And of course, the basis of that is win-win. Now, every time I get angry at my, my worker or even at my kid, that becomes a lose-win and that creates separation. And then I wonder, why aren't they performing? But it's very logical because we're not on the same wavelength. Instead of you yelling at me, you could be supporting me to see why, why this went wrong. What didn't I know? What didn't I understand? What couldn't I do? And if you come from that orientation, you would be helping me rather than yelling at me or saying, oh, you know, let him go. Being a passive leader and just letting things happen as opposed to an aggressive one. Usually those are the two extremes. I've noticed one important facet during my years in corporate America when a leader is correcting someone. When I hear this, you didn't do that right or you didn't do this, or this is not supposed to happen that way, to me, means absolutely nothing. It's not useful. It's not valuable. It's like, why waste your breath being irritated, saying, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. Instead, say, when you get this order, please do this. And when this situation comes up, please do that. Then it becomes a positive frame, and you can then, you know what to do. Because just telling somebody, no, 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 you can't do anything with that. So I've learned you have to explain what it is it to do. If, set aside the fact that an error is made. From now on, we want to do A, B, and C. I think that that's kind of tracking with what you're saying. Perhaps maybe you can give us some more on that. Actually, it's completely tracking on what we're saying. The question becomes, are you supporting me to do what you need me to do? Or are you chastising me in some way for not doing? And it could be as little as a, as a really look, you know, the look that you know this is serious. Um, and that simply means that, that I am not in control of me. But I don't want me to be in control of me because I'm making myself be in control of me. I want me to be present so that I don't have to get jerked around by my emotions when you do something. And you can only do that when you know who you are and you, you're clear on who you are and you're grounded in yourself. In fact, the word love yourself comes into play here. This is a very interesting road to go down, Werner. What would a leader do? We are all a leader in something, whether you even think so. It took me a long time. I'm embarrassed. I, maybe it's because I'm Italian. I, I teased myself. But I never, ever, ever thought I was a leader no matter what. And I don't know why. It's taken me a long time. Now that I'm a podcaster, <laughs> a radio show host, now I feel like I'm a leader. Unfortunately, you lost the fact that you were a leader as you were growing up. And it's only when you became a podcaster that you saw yourself again in, in that leadership role. Yes, I, f- I feel that now I can be a leader because I can influence and educate people and I know the right way to do it. I think part of the reason I never thought of myself as a leader 
is in my mind, in corporate America, leaders yell, leaders <laughs> get angry, leaders get mad. And Tony doesn't want to be one of those people. I just want to help. So I always stayed away from a leader until now where I can communicate more positively. And I've had a lot of great, successful people such as yourself give me pointers. And that's really helped me a lot in being able to lead. And for our audience, our solopreneurs, small business owners, I really want to take them down this road into being such a good leader that their employees stay with them no matter what and never want to leave. And understanding is part of it, but I think there's still something missing because you you also said leadership training doesn't work. So if leadership training doesn't work, Werner, what does work? I'm going to come back to that in a moment, but you said something so critical. You said, I don't want to be one of those. Those are not leaders. Those are people in leadership positions that are using their position power to get something done. But they're not getting the full um, energy and commitment from their workforce. Their workforce just does what they need to do not to get yelled at. There's no true collaboration here. So you, very early on, learned what not to do as a leader. What should they be doing? Well, it, it really comes back to living into a leadership competency. And highly effective leaders have a whole bunch of traits in common. One of them is they're very comfortable with themselves. They have values and they stick with their values. If I don't know who I am, I might say I have values, but when the wind blows to the left, I'm going to give up my values. I get jerked around by what the external expectations are. Another key element for a leader is they come with a mindset of we have to win in this together. We've heard the term win-win a lot, but very few practice it. They can say it, but they can't practice it because win-win means that I don't need to step on your shoes. I don't need to yell. I don't need to frown at you and then walk away and leave you stewing in your own um, upset. Uh, Leaders align their people on a common purpose. And when we've both agreed on that purpose and we clear on the expectations that we have of each other, now we can work with each other. So, you know, there's some things that need to be set up. I talked about congruency earlier. I talked about um, leaders know when to step in and they also know when to step out. That really is assertiveness, knowing when to be assertive and knowing when not to be assertive. There's a huge element of compassion, of caring, of empathy. They value feedback and they might even ask their recruits or their troops or their kids, give me some feedback on, you know, what what are we doing that works? What are we doing that doesn't work? They're also in awe of of what they're doing, um, the people that are around them. Actually, let me just say, they're in awe of life. When you've got that kind of a combination, you've got a, in, in Yiddish, it's called a mensch. I'm not Jewish, but um, my wife is. And a mensch is somebody that's really present and is as concerned about, about you as you might be about yourself without giving up their own capabilities and their own values. They're not that, wishy-washy. <laughs> that is profound. It makes me think of when... I'm dealing with others. And this is something I've learned when I became a radio announcer. I didn't know this before in corporate America, but when I deal with anyone, I've realized I am not greater than them. In other words, God didn't make anybody better than another. He didn't make anybody a police or or a superior. He made us all the same. And when I realized that, I found that I deal with people differently because I don't consider myself better than anyone better no matter what. It has nothing to do with monetary value. If somebody doesn't have a pair of shoes 
and doesn't have a, a place to live in another part of the world, I don't consider myself better. I consider I'm fortunate because I, I've, I apply myself to work at my trade, but I am not better than them. And it, there's a difference. Having money, having success doesn't make one superior in a way. And once I had that realization, it really changed how I deal with people. And when I ground myself with that realization, you know, I'm de- if I'm dealing with somebody who's upset, even though I, I believe that I know best, I'm not assertive because I'm dealing with somebody who's on an equal level. It's a very interesting point of view. That you just talked about empathy. Is that what that is? Yeah, you, you, you're saying you're not better, um, but you have a sense of their struggle. And that's really what empathy is all about. And yet in corporations, when I ask the question to even senior people, what's the difference between sympathy and empathy? frequently they can't tell me. And then when I say, if you were coaching your, uh, your um, second in command about how to be more empathic, how would you do that? What's the formula? In general, they don't know. And again, if they do know, that's cognitive. Can they actually demonstrate it when the chips are down? And you just demonstrated it when you said, you know better than them. You're right. Werner, we need more people like you training our entrepreneurs and business owners today. That's just beautiful. You've got it down. I may be saying the right words and, and the right way, but you've got it down to a beautiful training pattern and a successful one at that. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about leadership and you with Werner Berger. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. I'm going to tell you about Truebill, T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L. Check this out. How many subscription services are you paying for each month? Do you know? Subscriptions add up and sometimes we don't notice the monthly deductions from our bank accounts. Did you sign up for a bunch of subscription services in quarantine? But now that you're heading back into the world, you and your family no longer need all those apps and streaming video services? 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Are you one of them? I was. What are you doing to save money and take control of your finances? How do you keep track of your bill payments and budgets? Clunky Excel spreadsheets? Scattered post-it notes? Guys, Truebill is the smartest way to manage your finances. You get an easy-to-use app, review your recurring charges in one place, cancel subscriptions directly through the app, variety of tools to help customers improve their finances like create a monthly budget and expenses, track evaluate savings goals, automated savings, where you choose how much to put away weekly, get push notifications when you're getting close to going over your budget or when your cash is running low, and you can easily identify fraudulent activity as part of some of the tools. Other tools are it offers multiple ways to save on your bills. It works with many of the nation's top providers to negotiate and lower your bills, including AT&T, T-Mobile, Spectrum. Those are important. It has bank-level security, makes you feel good about your finances. You know, people think they spend about $80 a month on subscriptions, but they actually spend closer to $200 a month. Truebill has saved its users more than $50 million. And they have over 1 million users. Read their rave reviews at Truebill.com. The average person saves $720 per year with Truebill. Get started today at Truebill.com slash Tony. Take control of your finances and start saving at Truebill.com slash Tony. That's Truebill.com slash Tony. And I'll spell that T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L dot com slash T-O-N-Y. All right, guys, check it out, sign up, and tell me how you like it. Truebill.com slash Tony. You're listening to The Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on The Tony D'Erso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Leadership and You with Werner Berger. 
Werner emphatically states, most leadership training, although essential, does not deliver the anticipated ROI because the beingness of leadership can't be taught. It has to be developed through experience. And now back to the chat with Werner. You talk about most training, most skills training is fee good and doesn't produce the desired results. We, we talked a little bit about this, but I wanted to ask you, what do you mean by that it's fee good? I meant to actually say feel good. And the reason I'm saying that is in any good people skills training, and it could be sales skills because that's a leadership skill, of course. Um, it could be how do you inspire people? Any of that, if it's good, people will walk away feeling really good, feeling that they've learned something. And there will be some incremental results from that. But will we get the wholesale shift that is really required to internalize those skills? And the answer there, unfortunately, is no. And, and they, there are lots of reasons for that. And one of the key ones is people don't know themselves, so they can't own it. But the other one is they go back into the corporate world and the culture in so many companies does not support that learning, does not support win-win. Because the, re the recruiter, the report says, you know, you're expecting me to play win-win, but why doesn't my boss play win-win with me? Also, as a result, there's no follow-up and reinforcement. And if I'm to internalize a certain skill, let's say it's a listening skill, for somebody that seems to be more on the autocratic and on the tell side, unless I can help them re and reinforce that skill and follow up with them and make sure that they go through the learning curve of it, they're never really going to own it. And as long as they don't own it, when they use it, it comes across as phony because there's a growth curve that correlates with um, people's skills. And I might start at a certain level. Then you tell me, okay, you've got to listen more. And you've got to make indications that you are listening. And so I do that, but I'm not very comfortable at this yet. So I'm focused on me. I'm not focused on the other person. So initially, there's a little bit of friction on my side. Maybe the other person sees that, you know, this guy is not really congruent. So that's when people quit as opposed to be reinforced through that. It takes usually between one and three attempts to do that. When they get to the next stage, it's called the phony feeling phase. Now that's already a little bit of an upturn on the usage here. And when they feel phony, that's another time they quit because they say, oh, you know, this is going to work for Tony, but it's not going to work for me. He's just a different guy. He's a more sensitive guy. He can do this. I can't. Or the other thing is, the person that they're using the skill with does a little bit of a frown because we can read energy very, very quickly because the other person knows that, you know, I'm not really congruent yet. It takes between six and eight conscious repetitions in a reasonable period of time till the person becomes even relatively comfortable. But they still have to work at doing it until they get to the integrated phase where they've repeated it 18 to 21 times, usually within a two to three week period, they don't own that skill. And when you don't get to owning that skill, the ROI isn't there. Now, if we're teaching technical skills, the integration is usually fairly straight line because you follow this step and you follow this step and you follow this step. And if it doesn't work, you look at your equipment and say, you know, what did I do wrong? There's no phony feeling about it. There's just maybe a little frustration that I can't get it to work, but I'm going to get it to work because I don't feel phony about it. Nobody's judging me other than uh, myself. And so that's straight line. The other one is a sigmoid curve. Werner, if we distilled this down into the essence of leadership, the most critical parts, did we discuss that? Or what would you say, hey, guys, Listen to this, everybody in the audience, here it is, here's the takeaway. This is the key aspects of leadership. What would you say? There really are the two key aspects. The one is the intrinsic one, 
and the other one, which is the experiential one, and the other one is the extrinsic one. The extrinsic one is what we learn at school and what we learn in um, communication skills classrooms or in sales classrooms or in leadership classrooms. We do need to know what those skills are so that we can implement them. But the other one is to really get to know, who am I? Can I truly accept myself the way I am? Or am I threatened every time somebody looks at me skewly? Because if I'm not competent within myself, I can't be present when you frown at me or when you yell at me or when you ignore me. You learned this on a mountain. <laughs> we don't all, we're not all mountain climbers. If we don't, if we're not there now, how can we get there without necessarily climbing the mountain or anything like that? What can we do to bring more of this, please? Yeah, that's a really good question because you don't have to be on a mountain. That's just where I learned to really connect with myself. And that came from, you can probably know about the hero's journey, the path into the cauldron and into the abyss. And you struggle with that and you come out at the other end um, having been transformed. That's what the mountains did for me. They, they helped me become present. They helped me. They really blew. I got blown away by who I was through my climbing because through complete exhaustion, I could still keep going. And at the end of it, I, I marveled at the, what this amazing body can do. Um, it connected me not just with myself, but with the entire environment. And none of that was anticipated. None of that was expected. That just happened. Other things that people can do is they can become very quiet and really look inside and look at, you know, what do I feel? What am I feeling? When do I feel upset? What, why do, do I get upset when somebody else yells at me? Because all it means is that they are not in control of themselves. And why do I become a victim to that? So I really want to look at that, into that and say, you know, do I need to get upset when Tony gets upset? Do I really need to get upset when Tony frowns at me? Do I really need to look back at my life and say, if this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened, I would be a different person? Or could I look back at my life and say, what did I learn here? You learned somewhere that a yelling boss is not what you wanted to be. You learned that. That, that came from your background. And more than likely, somebody yelled at you and was rather harsh and not very pleasant with you. <laughs> no, I've never been yelled at ever. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. You're one of the few. The other thing I can start doing is start creating a balance sheet. What am I really good at? What am I not so good at? And don't dwell on the not so good because none of us can, is perfect in every sense. We all have some positive traits. We all have some things that we can't do. I can't play the piano. I will probably never learn to be able to play the piano, although it's at one point I wanted to. That's not my forte. But I could pole vault in those days and I was passionate about that. So when we start balancing that and we start looking for, you know, what, what are we passionate about? What do we want to create over the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years of our lives? What's a legacy we want to leave? And then look into who do I need to be to create that legacy? Now that takes, what we just talked about, takes a lot of introspection. That's not easy to do because in our rat race world, people don't take the time. The other thing is they very frequently don't want to dig up what is called the dirt from their background and the, the bad feelings that they grew up as kids, as opposed to just recognizing those were all learning experiences. Some people do this through yoga because it's also a way of introspection and meditation. Some people do it through reading. The only thing is I did a lot of reading, but I didn't integrate. I thought, oh, this is great. This is fun. Um, oh, I can learn from this. 
But until I stood back and started integrating, what did I learn from this bibliography, for example? Um, it was just a cognitive exercise. So there are definitely some things that we can do. Some people can do it through dance. The only problem is the minute we get into anything competitive, and I'm looking at myself again with my pole vaulting, um, you're never good enough. So you actually internalize I'm not good enough because you want an extra six inches in height. You want an extra 0.2 or three seconds off your 100 meters. And you're always working to become better. And then one day you don't do as well as you did the previous day. And you go, ah, you know, then we get sitting on ourselves. Unfortunately, again, my experience, most people grow up not having high self-esteem. In fact, having a sense of I'm not good enough, comparing ourselves, wanting to be better, as opposed to marveling at this phenomenal body that we've been given, this phenomenal earth that we're inhabiting or that we're borrowing through our life. Again, coming back to the word awe that I used earlier. We, need to, we truly need to be in awe of this creation, every element of it, and even us talking with each other. That's awesome. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about leadership and you with Werner Berger. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Dear fellow entrepreneurs, you know this. The key to success is finding an edge and leveraging it. And if you're hiring, that edge is Indeed, I-N-D-E-E-D. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview, all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Instant Match giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com D-U-R-S-O. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash D-U-R-S-O. Indeed.com slash D-U-R-S-O. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. That's I-N-D-E-E-D dot com slash D-U-R-S-O. All right, guys, check it out and tell me how you like it. Indeed.com slash D-U-R-S-O. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Leadership and You with Werner Berger. Werner says, for most leaders, corporate, governmental, or even parenting, the development in being can be correlated with the hero's journey which is simply a grounding, acceptance, and celebration of self. And now back to the chat with Werner. And that's a good segue because I teased a little bit about to everyone in the audience that you don't have to climb a mountain to, and so on and so forth. But I want to switch that around because as I understand it, Werner, you actually take people still to this day and take them on treks to Mount Kilimanjaro and so forth. Can you tell us about what you do and... And let's invite everybody. Let's get everybody out there. If you want to climb a mountain, Werner's the one to take you. Oh, that would be so awesome. Yeah, I have 
three destinations, two preferred because um, more people are interested in them. One of them is take people to Everest Base Camp. It's actually a 10-day trek in and a three-day trek out. And the fun and games of it is this phenomenal environment of the Himalaya that we're in. The other part is, of course, because of altitude, and we're not all mountaineers and fit as a fiddle, there is some physical stress associated with it. However, people can do it. They think they can't, but they, they can. The very first time I took 40 people on the Everest Base Camp track, the youngest was 18, the oldest was 84, 100% made it. The normal dropout rate is between 25 and 45%. But it is amazing what we can do with a little bit of support, with a little bit of coaching. The other one I do, I think you mentioned it, is Mount Kilimanjaro. One second, on, on the base camp, when you said Mount Everest base camp, are you talking about taking somebody to the top, to the summit, or to a specific place at Mount Everest? Yeah, to a specific place. Basically, at the base of Mount Everest, where the climbers who are going to climb the mountain settle in. Because it's usually a minimum of 45-day climb, and usually more because there are weather delays. For us, it was a 56-day climb. So we always come back to base, because to acclimatize, you climb high, you sleep low. You climb high, you sleep low. You come back to where you slept initially, so that again, we push the body into acclimatization, literally changing its chemistry, building more red blood cells. So base camp is at 17,500 feet. The top of the mountain is at 29,000 and 38 feet, some say 29 feet, but basically 29,000 feet. And most of the mountain or a large part of the mountain, we climb twice And some sections we climb three times, and other sections, of course, to the summit, we just climb once. And Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa? Um, It can be done in a five-day climb. It can be done in a nine-day climb. I've done them both. I've been to the top nine times, and I take people on a seven-day climb uh, because most people can make it with that, that time frame. And before we go to the mountain, we spend five days uh, on safari, either in the Serengeti and the Ngorongoro Crater and some of the other game reserves, looking at the animal migration, because that's a good way of acclimatizing because we're at 5,000 feet. It's a good way to get over any jet lag. And who wants to go to Africa without seeing the animals? And the other one used to be um, a trek uh, across an Inca trail to Machu Picchu in Peru. That's also a fascinating experience, but um, the other two seem to be favored by most people. And you take people there on treks, and this information is available at your site, EverestBaseCampWithWerner.com? That's correct. As far as the Everest trek is concerned, Africa is not on that one. But again, they can just go to AfricaWithWerner.com if they want to look at the um, uh, Kilimanjaro climb. And also on your site that I've just mentioned a few times, there's a contact. So if you want a mountain climb with Werner and go to some of these places, contact him, find out what's next on his agenda. I know you've got some amazing things here. Even if you just look at the videos, dear audience, just look at the videos, look at the pictures. It's breathtaking. And I know I joked about it at the very beginning of the show saying, Now that I've done that, I don't have to climb. I think for you athletes and more athletically minded, you'll want to climb because it's just, it's like, it's like a calling card. It's like an invitation. You can't say no. You know, if my life was different organized, who knows? I'd be out there climbing. Mount Kilimanjaro already sounds amazing. My wife is from Africa. I've talked about that. She used to see Mount Kilimanjaro every day. I I think it would be fantastic to go. So come on, guys, come climb with me. (laughs) (laughs) It is just a hike. It really isn't a climb with ropes and carabiners or ice axes. And the same with Everest Base Camp. Anybody with a reasonable degree of fitness and who truly, you know, wants to break out of the mold a little bit 
and out of their comfort zone should come because not only will they experience something phenomenal and themselves, but they'll get fit just to get there, which means they're going to support their health. And you said a magic word that you have not said earlier in the show at all. The magic word is, it's just a hike. It's not really a climb with all the ropes and the gear. It's a hike. Everybody can hike. If you're listening to this, you can hike, right? Most everybody can hike. It's just a hike. I think it would be absolutely amazing to do Mount Kilimanjaro. And and the base camp sounds pretty amazing too. And the third place you went to was where again? Um, across an Inca trail in Peru to Machu Picchu, the Inca ruins. That would be amazing. That's just a hike. I love that. Werner, as mentioned, we have entrepreneurs, small business owners, and so forth. And we're always looking for the way this show works is I try to bring some of the most successful people in the world because you cannot literally read everybody's book, listen to everybody's lectures, take everybody's class. So I curate and I bring some of the most successful people to the audience to help them. And we're always looking for resources. If there's any great resources that you think might help, please share if, if there's anything that you think would be really key for them to know about. Well, there, there really are a couple that come to mind. And there's a guy by the name of Aristotle, we've all heard it, who lived 300 some odd years before Christ. And he has some phenomenal wisdom that is really worth looking into. And it was all, what he said is, and these are my words, life is all about your perception. And our perception comes from our conditioning, which of course also means that we don't really see the life, life the way it really is. Because you might see something differently looking at the same thing as I. And he has the word metaphysics which he defines as knowledge of immaterial being, which has everything to do, of course, with substance and essence or materialism and consciousness. So that's really well worth looking into. The other one is, I fairly recently read a book um, called The End of Upside Down Thinking by Mark Gober, who really talks about matter, we think that matter leads to consciousness. In other words, a human body gets formed, we create a brain, and because the brain, which is matter, leads to consciousness, and he says, no, that's upside down thinking, because matter does not lead to consciousness. Consciousness exists out there. And consciousness to me, and the same with essence, is who are you being as you interacting with me? Are you being congruent? Are you being the leader that you were born to be? There's another, there's a program called the Powerful Living Experience out of um, uh, Florida. A guy by the name of David Bayer has a program called Mind Hack. And he also has one called the Powerful Living Experience, which has everything to do with rewiring your brain away from the thoughts that don't serve you. Because up to age eight, everything that came at us, we just absorbed like sponges, but not everything was accurate. So there's stuff that needs to be shed, but it's not easy to shed because it's become, it's become our attitude. We don't even see it as a belief anymore. I recently got a book called Believe It by Jamie Kern Lima. And I, I haven't read it completely, but it leads into this whole area of believing and you shall be it if you believe it firmly enough. Oh, I like that. If you believe it, you will be it. Werner, we just had a great interview with you and we want to know the secret sauce of success. The secret sauce is to reclaim the leadership potential that was your birthright that unfortunately got mitigated through your formative years to the point where many of you don't see yourself as the powerful leader that you were meant to be. 
Werner, I've been looking around on your website and you and it says here and there Quest 736 and I'm thinking what is Quest 736? <laughs> that was a fragment of my imagination. And how that came about is I don't know if you know I'm in the Guinness Book of Records as the oldest person in the world to have climbed the highest mountain on each of the seven continents, including Mount Everest. And then I got upstaged by a Japanese climber and then a Nepalese climber in terms of being the oldest on Everest. So I thought, oh, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to climb the seven summits all within three years. And so it became Quest 736. One problem, I needed to raise funds to do that. All my previous climbing I had funded, but literally I was going to be out of commission for three years, remaining physically active. And then my knees started giving out. I couldn't raise the funds. And so that's now a pipe dream. Maybe in my next life. Maybe spiritually you can do that. <laughs> and <laughs> that brings another question. You've been to Mount Everest, as you said in our interview, multiple times, I think seven or so. You, are you going to go to the summit again? No. Okay. No. I'm going to go to Everest Base Camp, which is a 10-day trek, uh, hopefully multiple times until uh, my knees really say it's now time to hang up the cleats, even though I don't use cleats <laughs> because it is a hike. <laughs> Hiking you can do. Well, that's good. Going to the base camp, that's very high up there, and that's still quite the hike. Once again, we talked about leadership and you with Werner Berger, and you can find him at EverestBaseCampWithWerner.com. Werner, I enjoyed this conversation so much. I could just keep talking about this topic and talking about mountain climbing. It's great. I urge everyone, check him out. Go hike with him. Hike with Werner in these great places. It was just absolutely amazing and I think my fear of heights has gone a little bit by now. <laughs> oh, I can deal with that within two seconds. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. But I think our time is, run, is, is done for now. And I just, I'm sincerely from my heart, thank you so much. What an honor to have you on our show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Tony. What a pleasure. You can see I'm all lit up talking to you. Hey, fellow entrepreneurs, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. I'm sure this was as inspiring for you as it was for me to do this interview. We learned some excellent gems in discussing leadership and you with Werner Berger. Werner said he had to climb mountains to really figure it all out, starting out as a farm boy who literally could fix anything with dreams to be an Olympic pole vaulter. He retired in his early 40s, and after a few years of that, got bored and went back to work. Then he joined a leadership consulting firm and had his own business for 19 years. But something was still gnawing at him, and trying to figure out what was wrong, he started climbing mountains. And there is so much information, he said, you just have to listen to this interview again. What gems, what pearls of wisdom here on finding clarity with yourself, and I love the part that on that mountain, when you're confronted with something that impedes your progress, instead of getting emotional, angry, and so forth, you ask, what do I do next? Absolutely amazing information in this interview. Please listen to this again. There's so much more I got out of this. Please tell me, what did you get? I'd love to know how you use this information to help you in your business or career. Did this interview give you any ideas for your business? Did it stimulate you to take some new action? Please share and grab hold of your vision, decide you're either going to start something great or take it to the next level. You have to decide first. It always starts with a decision. And you can get my vision map to help you along the process. The ebook is at tonydurso.com slash books. I built a sustainable business in just a few years. I call it my empire. I wrote up the vision map as my guide. I wrote it for you. You can do it too. Let's help you move on your journey to success. And please consider supporting the show with a nice review. Just go to Tony, D-U-R-S-O, 
Com slash review. Thanks, guys. And remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.